They didn't have the traditional uh, glassy look in their lungs that would indicate uh, something moving towards pneumonia. They were dying of hypoxia. They would come into the emergency rooms with blood oxygen below 60%. And in a day or two, they were dying because of organ failure. It's not just your brain that needs oxygen. Your organs need it. And then when they would put them on ventilators, 80% of them died because that wasn't the problem. The ventilators just further destroyed the lung tissue that was already suffering from hypoxia. I was just asked the other day by someone new to us if I was the forbidden doctor. Of course I said no. The forbidden doctor is not me at all. We are not the forbidden doctor. Jack is not the forbidden doctor. It's in you. The forbidden doctor is that magical, mystical power inside of you that is controlling and healing you. It's that beautiful, marvelous, almost miraculous force that controls all healing. It's that innate intelligence, that life force directed influence that triggered your DNA to guide the building of your body after conception. Yeah, it's that power that sustains your life, repairs your wounds and lesions, and it never stops working. It's that essential part of you that keeps you alive and heals your every hurt. This is the Forbidden Doctor. It's not me. It's that part of you. The powers that be have decreed forbidden to ever learn about or even consider and never ever rely upon. For it is forbidden that you even know this life force exists at all. You are your own forbidden doctor. Yes. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Jack and welcome back to the Forbidden Doctor podcast. This is podcast episode 198, The Craziness is Coming Out. Now, today I'm going to talk about some of the forbidden stuff that's been going around now for several months. But before that, we've got some great news about our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com. We've just opened up to the world our now 700 symptom protocols. In other words, if you have, let's say, congestion, uh, chest congestion from a cold or flu, and if you're not ready to go to an MD um, and you don't even want to do our free symptom survey, you can just simply search for cold and flu protocol on our website. It's simple. You just click in the upper left search field on our website, and then you can discreetly read about and purchase the protocol in one easy swoop protocol that we have been using for years now, and we know that it's well-tested to support the body's immune responses. And when you join our new $29 VIP membership, you can get the colds and flu protocol as well as all the others for 20% off. And you're not going to find lower prices for standard processed products anywhere. You can also get free shipping over 100 and discreet HIPAA texting capabilities right to me if you wish. I will answer the text or Mary will or our nutritionist, you know, whatever you prefer. You choose. And understand that we're going to text you an answer to your questions quickly during business hours. You can text us 24-7 because, well, we've been known to answer text questions at all hours of the night and weekends. Just saying. We don't guarantee quick after-hour answers, but during business hours, for sure, we'll get back to you much sooner. So, 
let's get started here with some basic ideas. And of course, we're you know we're talking about the craziness that's coming out. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci just said here a couple days ago that a second wave of COVID-19 may not even happen and that wearing a mask is largely, quote, symbolic, end quote, at this point. Wearing a mask is symbolic. Now, remember, up till the second week of March, he said you didn't need one. Then he said you did. And now he says, well, it's just symbolic at this point. And then what about the second wave that they've been talking about for three months? In a Wednesday interview with uh, CNN's newsroom here a few days ago, Fauci, who's a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, as you, as you know, quote, said that a second COVID-19 wave is not necessarily inevitable, end quote. Again, quote, this is Dr. Fauci. We often talk about the possibility of a second wave or an outbreak when you're reopening. We don't have to accept that as an inevitability, he says. Particularly, he continues, when people start thinking about the fall, I want people to really appreciate that it could happen, but it's not inevitable. Well, so what's going on? Well, he's talking about uh, greater optimism as the days goes by, as the days go by, as it, as is the case every year with influenza. And he insists that the uh, whatever whatever the country has done up to this point to be ready for all of this kind of stuff and the testing that is going forward. Uh, that is bolstering the COVID-19 response is making it easier to say that a second wave is entirely preventable, which is what he just said the other day on CNN. It's able to have, quote, the workforce, the system, and the will to do the kinds of things that are clear in effective identification, isolation, and contract tracing. The will, that concerns me when he says that we have the will to do the kinds of things. Well, anyway, last month in April, uh, he insisted that the second wave of coronavirus was inevitable. Back then, during an interview on MSNBC, he says, it's inevitable that the coronavirus will return next season. And when it does, how we handle it will completely determine our fate. Now, as of last week, he's saying, well, it's not inevitable. It may not come back. And what is he now saying about masks? Well, he said that Americans should wear face masks in public to protect themselves. But he said this also, to get into good practice. Hmm. He says this, quote, I want to protect myself and protect others. And also because I want to make it a symbol for people to see that that's the kind of thing you should be doing. Then during the interview, he says this, <clears throat> He had, or no, this isn't a quote. He, he admitted that wearing a mask is not 100% effective, but it says that the gesture shows respect for other people. Now, in previous podcasts, I've talked about how unhealthy it is to wear a mask all the time because of the uh, retroactive effect of building up of pathogens in your mask from your exhalations going back up your nasal passages to the olfactory nerve, which is a direct train track into the brain as well as increasing the level of carbon dioxide inside the blood. But he's just saying it shows respect. Now, that's Dr. Fauci. What about the New England, uh, or no, this is the journal from the Journal of the American Medical Association, this next one. Here's some key expert uh, excerpts 
from uh, one of the latest editions. <clears throat> Quote, we know that wearing a mask outside health care facilities offers little, if any, protection from infection. This is the Journal of the American Medical Association. The article goes on. Focusing on universal masking alone may paradoxically lead to more transmission of COVID-19 if it diverts attention from implementing more fundamental infection control measures. Fear and anxiety are better countered, he says, or the article says, with data and education with a marginally beneficial mask particularly in light of the worldwide mask shortage, but it's difficult to get clinicians to hear this message in the heat of the current crisis. Now, the article, this, this is also from the article here. The chance of catching COVID-19 from a passing interaction in a public space is minimal. In many cases, the desire for widespread masking is a reflexive reaction to anxiety over the pandemic. Now, again, this is from the Journal of the American Medical Association. <clears throat> the widespread masking is a reflexive reaction to anxiety over the pandemic. Not that it does you any good. Now, this is from the abstract of that article. Quote, we know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any, protection from infection. Public health authorities define a significant exposure to COVID-19 as face-to-face -face contact within six feet with a patient with symptomatic COVID-19 that is sustained for at least a few minutes, and some say at least 10 minutes or even 30 minutes, and the chance of catching COVID-19 from a passing interaction in a public space is minimal. In many cases, the desire for widespread masking is a reflexive reaction to anxiety over the pandemic. What is clear, however, is that universal masking alone is not a panacea. A mask will not provide uh, protection or caring for a patient with active COVID-19 if it's not accompanied by meticulous hand hygiene, eye protection, gloves, and a gown. Now, do I need to read that again? A mask will not protect providers caring for a patient with active COVID-19 if it's not accompanied by meticulous hand hygiene, eye protection, gloves, and a gown those full body things that you see on TV that they don't show too much anymore, but they did before. The, um, the uh, abstract continues here. A mask alone will not prevent healthcare workers from early COVID-19 from contaminating their hands and spreading the virus to patients and colleagues. Focusing on universal masking alone may paradoxically lead to more transmission of COVID-19 if it diverts attention from implementing more fundamental infection control measures. It is also clear, and you got to love this part, that masks serve symbolic roles. Masks are not only tools, they're also talismans that may help increase healthcare workers' perceived sense of safety, well-being, and trust in their hospitals. Although such reactions may not be strictly logical, we are all subject to fear and anxiety, especially during times of crisis. One might argue that fear and anxiety are better countered with data and education than a marginally beneficial mask. End quote. This is from the Journal of the American Medical Association. I could not have said that better. One might argue that fear and anxiety are better countered with data and education than a mask. 
<clears throat> yes. That's why we put out these podcasts. That's why I do the radio shows. To try to get more education out there. Okay. Now, the, uh, did you see the recent uh, AP poll, Associated Press poll, on uh, Americans planning to get the COVID vaccine? Now, a week ago, <clears throat> Reuters did this survey. It was, it was uh, published in, uh, in the AP system. Found that 25% of Americans have no interest in taking a coronavirus vaccine. One out of four have no interest. Now, those findings, um, there's a trend floating around out there. Let me put it this way, where the majority of Americans, more than the 25%, said, well, they want to see the research. Wow. Someone's looking beyond a mask. They want to see the research on vaccine safety to determine if it is, in fact, safe, which, which of course, suggests the majority would stay home uh, as opposed to the health officials' hoped-for expectation that, the, you know, people by, you know, hand over fist, flying off as fast as they could to the local health department, uh, inundating the clinics to gain immunity from some new inoculation. But that's not what the polls are showing. And then, of course, as President Trump's much-touted, but I rather think rather dubious, Operation Warp Speed program, um, as I've recently been able to see, has this very ambitious claim of producing 300 million doses of a vaccine by January of, I guess, 2021, a goal that uh, is widely unrealistic at best. I mean, naturally, most Americans are going to have intense doubts and anxiety, anxiety, excuse me, over injecting a substance into their bodies which was rushed or fast-tracked or... Uh, as the thing is called Operation Warp Speed. Do you want something injected into your body that was created at warp speed? Or would you like it to go through some safety trials first? Serious safety trials, not a couple of weeks here and there. Now, a new associated poll out this week confirms the skepticism of the public because it found that only 49%, they, they polled 1,056 Americans, only 49% said they intended to get the vaccine. Now, here's the, here's the breakdown of what their poll numbers are. And interesting enough, these are very similar to polls reflecting the annual anticipation of the flu vaccine. Because they'll do a poll, and, you know, as we start to move into flu vaccine, they'll take a poll. The numbers are very, very similar to the COVID-19 vaccine that supposedly will be here next flu season. 67% of those over 60 plan to get the vaccine. 40% of those under 60 would get it. 56% of whites say they'll get the vaccine, while only 25% of blacks and 30% of Hispanics say that they would get it. Now, why do you suppose the black African-American population would poll less than half of the white population for saying that they would get the vaccine. And then <clears throat> politically, 62% of Democrats say they'll get it, while only 43% of Republicans say that they would get it. <laughs> it. It's interesting how everything in this country anymore is being broken down into red and blue. You know, the states, the candidates, comments, radio, TV stations, radio stations. 
And just, you know, there's no balance anymore, anywhere. It's the thing Mary and I have talked about in previous podcasts, that the total imbalance when the coronavirus task force was having their daily updates on television, there wasn't a single nutritionist in there anywhere telling people what they could do naturally, normally, in building their immune systems. Well, before I go on and talk more about this, because I want to get into the propaganda behind the whole thing. But before I talk about it, I want to bring up the free symptom survey that we offer on the homepage at ForbiddenDoctor.com. It is the most comprehensive survey you're ever going to take. Lots and lots and lots of questions, most of which don't apply to you, but the ones that do, mark it appropriately. And after you're done, you'll have the opportunity to have a free 30-minute phone consultation, and you'll be given a personalized protocol. Now, you don't have to do it, but it's free. I mean, and if you get a personalized protocol based on the results of your survey, you're going to save money in the long run because you're not going to be getting a whole bunch of stuff you don't need because the survey is very targeted to what might be stressed or weakened as a result of the survey. And if you do decide to purchase the recommended supplements, you can get them at a 10% discount if you sign up for the Text Blast. These Text Blasts give you a fantastic coupon every single week. Just text the word HEALTHY to 41411. We'll text you back a coupon code, which usually runs higher than 10%, mind you. Anytime you use our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com, when you check out. Or you can just call the office. If that's too much, just call the office, 801-523-1890. They can help you sign up for the text blast or take your order over the phone. And remember, it, everybody, it's your patronage of our offers that keeps this podcast on the air. So I want to move into the second half of this. Are we being propagandized? I don't know if that's a word or not, but... Certainly, you're being fed propaganda, and this isn't the first time. But I, but I want to say this. I, I don't want to discredit or play down the seriousness of what a lot of people who've had COVID-19 are suffering from. Because dying of the hypoxia this disease creates in the infected is nothing to pass off as insignificant, even though the number of those who have died, according to published numbers from the CDC, do show insignificance compared to other causes of an infectious etiology death during the same period of time. Now, I refer you to the past several podcasts for this information, but don't misunderstand me about this, please. Um, I understand for many people it's serious. However, out of the hundreds of patient visits to my clinic over the last three months, there was one and only one patient who had been diagnosed with COVID, just one. And he was a returning soldier from Afghanistan who was suffering from multiple symptoms relating to sickness, depression, and vaccine reactions while fighting in Afghanistan. So some of you are familiar with uh, Lou Rockwell and his articles. I mean, he's kind of a quintessential libertarian. Uh, some of his stuff I like. Some of it I you know, have a problem with. But he had a great article here recently talking about the propaganda that was necessary in order to get our Congress and the American people behind the Iraq war. And you can remember this, you know, it's almost 20 years ago. But the key players, of course, were Vice President Cheney and Attorney General Ashcroft, Assistant Attorney General John Yu, and Defense Secretary D Donald Rumsfeld, who kept coming out with a whole host of um, half-truths, uh, obvious fabrications, and outright lies 
in order to get us to send thousands of U.S. soldiers to Iraq and um, go after Saddam. So this is, I have a list here from Rockwell of some of the things that were stated, the outright lies and fabrications, to convince us, boy, this is a really bad thing. We've got to send our own blood over there, even though some of it's going to be left behind. And they created this narrative, uh, such as Iraq and the nefarious Saddam Hussein were behind, you know, in other words, backing the Saudi Arabian terrorists responsible for the 9-11 attacks on U.S. soil. Uh, we were told that Hussein and his government were stockpiling yellow cake uranium in an, er an effort to develop nuclear capability. We found that wasn't true. Saddam Hussein was not backed or backing the Saudis for the 9-11. Hussein was connected with al-Qaeda. No, he wasn't. We found out that he wasn't. Uh, we were told that Iran was lurking in the background as a state sponsor of terrorism, trying to coordinate and facilitate the attacks against the U.S. in coordination with Hamas. That turned out to not be true. Hezbollah, al-Qaeda, and the other terror groups were all working against the U.S. across the Middle East in some kind of a murky but coordinated effort when most of those, they were fighting against each other. <laughs> it wasn't us. We weren't the target. They were, each other was the target. And then, of course, I remember uh, George Bush Jr. saying, we have to fight them over there so we don't have to fight them over here. Like the Iraqis are going to come over here. And then, and then we were also told, remember, the Iraqis, the Iraqis would welcome our troop as liberators and so forth. You know, and you remember all that, how one after another was proven false. But it was enough to convince the American public that there was a crisis at hand, and we just had to throw our weight and bombs and jets and bullets and everything else in order to free the Iraqi people. Now there's over a million Iraqi dead. How many more homeless? The war continues, and I'm not I'm not uh, exonerating Saddam Hussein by any means. But it was a much more peaceful place then than it is now. All right, so with the latest propaganda, now, of course, the cast of characters with the COVID-19 is different. Of course, President Trump, who's, you know, becoming the wartime president status, nothing against the president. And I've said this in several podcasts before. He's just getting some very, very bad advice, and I think he's waking up to that. Then there's the, the, the you know, the, the propaganda people, Anthony Fauci. There's the epidemiologist Neil Ferguson in the U.K. who started the ridiculous death number predictions back in January. And then remember, based on what he had to say, Fauci said we'd have 2.2 million deaths from COVID in America alone. I mean, who wouldn't be scared to death hearing numbers like that? And then you got state governors such as Cuomo and Whitmer and Newsom and a host of uh, media acolytes just itching to force some new normal lifestyle status quo down our throats. And like the architects of the Iraq war, they use COVID-19 as justification to advance some pre-existing agenda, which is which is. It, it, as it boils down to, it's just simply greater state control over our lives and our economy. I mean, just consider the toll against all of us completely untouched by the microbe itself. Most of you listening right now have not had any symptoms. You're not going to have any symptoms. If you go get tested, you're going to be fine. You're going to find out you're negative on the test. You haven't had so much as a sniffle or a cough. 
And as you've been completely untouched by the microbe, you have not been completely untouched by the <clears throat> virtual pushing aside of the First Amendment of our Constitution. And so what was the propaganda in all of this? Well, here's what we've been told, you know, that the, the virus aerosolizes and it floats around in the air, so we all need to be six feet apart. And as I've asked before, why not eight foot? Why not ten foot? Why not a mile apart? Why, why six feet? We're told that the virus lives on surfaces everywhere for days. We know that's not true anymore. Uh, we were told that asymptomatic people can spread it unknowingly. Very scary thought. Um, antibodies may or may not develop naturally. That's a weird one. Of course, your beta cells create antibodies to foreign antigens. But we're told, well, maybe it will, maybe it won't. People may become infected more than once. And when we consider the extreme rate of false positives with the test, maybe you could become infected 10 times if you go out and get 10 tests. Once, a, you know, no symptoms, you just test positive, and then all of a sudden you're negative, and then all of a sudden you're positive. How reliable is that? Uh, young, healthy people are at a great risk not only for themselves, but they pose a risk to the elderly family members, so they need to stay away from the older members of the family. And then somehow, we, we were also told that somehow these thin, permeable paper masks somehow prevent ultra-microscopic viral spores from being inhaled or exhaled towards somebody else. You know, it's like I've said before, it's like, it's like uh, shooting a BB gun through a chain-link fence. And then somehow you'd be safer inside. Then outside in the fresh air and the sun, you'd be safer inside your house. And the rate of the new infected cases, remember in the first weeks of the virus, reaching America would just continue and grow and grow exponentially till we had 2.2 million Americans dead. And then, uh, of course, the big thing, the, the social distancing and quarantines, we were told, saves lives. Although there is no double-blind study even suggesting social distancing has any beneficial effects. Now here is a study in emerging infectious diseases, the April 2020 edition. Uh, I don't know if you've let your subscription of this run out or not, but Emerging Infectious Disease, April 2020. This is the title of the article, Evaluating the Effectiveness of Social Distancing Interventions to Delay or Flatten the Epidemic Curve of Coronavirus Disease. Now, here's the abstract. By April 2, 2020, Greater than 1 million people worldwide were infected with severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2. We used a mathematical model to investigate the effectiveness of social distancing interventions in a mid-sized city. And I'm still quoting. <clears throat> Our results suggest, hmm, we noted that our models suggest, these are opening words to various sentences, I'm not taking it out of context, that social distancing can provide crucial time to increase healthcare capacity, but must occur in conjunction with testing and contact tracing of all suspected cases to mitigate virus transmission. Now, <clears throat> I'm trained in how to read published research. 
I got that training in school. In fact, we had a, like a three-month class in research. We had to write a re we had to write a paper. But we also learned all the sources, not all the sources, but the, the, the most common sources for getting published research. Co uh, PubMed being number one, Medline. There's other sources out there. John, Johns Hopkins, uh, Harvard, all the, the Yale, the major medical schools, Albert Einstein in New York, they have um, databases you can go to to research published reports. When you read their conclusions, it doesn't say, well, our results suggest. Their conclusions are, this is the result of what we got. This is why we think our results are good. These are the reasons why they may be tainted. Now, that's an honest research report that will tell you the shortcomings of their research. It will also tell you the bias they had when they went into the research. It'll tell you who's funding the research and what they were trying to prove. And then at the end, they'll say, well, man, we threw ourselves a curveball on this one. We thought it was red. It turns out it's black. That kind of a thing. Or it'll say, it'll, it'll say things like, well, 95% of the time it was red, 5% of the time it was black. It doesn't say things like, well, our results suggest it could be either one. And that's what you're getting here in this mathematic, mathematical model trying to underscore the idea that there's some advantage to social distancing. So in other words, the, what they're saying is, it's our best guess without actually putting it to rigid and controlled testing. And yet it's been taken for gospel truth. <clears throat> and testing is the key. Uh, it, and then what if an individual visits a crowded grocery an hour after testing negative? You know, what about people who are living with diagnosed COVID-19 for weeks and then they test negative? Now I've got a very good friend who is between houses. In the, the first house sold quicker than they ever thought it would, and the second house uh, needs about three months before it's finished. So they move in with mom. <clears throat> well, they were there for almost three months when mom was tested definitely positive for COVID-19. They have a little child, a little girl, mom and dad and a little girl living with mom, who just got tested, as I said, positive COVID-19 with symptoms enough to be hospitalized. So mom and dad march off to get themselves tested. Negative, both of them negative. After having lived with her for three months, ate at the same table, food prepared at the same sink, sitting in the same rooms, they were negative. What does that mean? Well, it may not be as transmissible as we've been told. Maybe they've got strong immune systems. Maybe there's a nutritional element in their life that keeps them away from the foods that hurt the immune system, like processed foods, especially carbs. Well, what else have we been told? Part of the propaganda is a second wave of infections is nigh. The second wave is nigh. And then, of course, one personal, uh, um, our personal and work lives cannot continue safely without a vaccine, which, by the, by the way, may be two years away. I'm not saying that. That's what, the, that's what the propaganda out there is saying. Now, 
much of that that I just read to you <clears throat> is not true. Uh, it's not even tended. It, it, it's not even intended to be true. It's there to influence public behavior and opinions, just like the Iraq War thing. And again, the overwhelming burden of proof should lie squarely with those who are advocating a lockdown of society, who are out there risking a resurrection of the 1930s Great Depression in response to a simple virus that, as I mentioned earlier and in previous podcasts, even the CDC says the numbers are insignificant. If you didn't hear about it all day long, you never would have heard about it. So how much damage is this lockdown going to cause? You know, how? well, you're going to have to read the history books 10 years from now to find out the extent of what this has done to this country. And, and simply propaganda kills. It works, but it kills. But politicians on both sides are going to benefit from this coronavirus. It's you and me the American people that are going to suffer from this. And perversely, <clears throat> one of the worst COVID propagandists, um, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, just the other day rang the bell as the New York stock market reopened to floor trading. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now what's he saying? He's saying all the models were wrong. He's saying... The lockdown that we did in New York in the Empire State did nothing to prevent us from suffering the highest per capita deaths from COVID. But thanks to the propaganda behind him and the, that which follows, he's hailed as a presidential candidate. Even though he just admitted the other day all the lockdown in New York did nothing to prevent the spread. Why? Because where was the majority of it? In the nursing homes. So where does this leave us? Well, I'm happy you listen to these podcasts. We try to be as authoritative as we can, quoting from medical sources wherever possible. We know you have family and friends whose only source of information on this is morning, noon, and evening broadcasts from the major media who can only increase their advertising revenues from spreading fear and terror all across the channels. Turn off the news. Stop listening to the propaganda. I might suggest you listen to our podcast 162, On the Edge of Order and Chaos. You might find yourself somewhere in that spectrum. And how, what do you deal with? How do you do it? Well, get out and walk barefoot in the grass. Hug people. Call your loved ones. Tell them what they mean to you. Send a simple greeting card to an old friend that dropped off your radar years ago and just say, hey, you know what? I thought about you today. Just wanted to say hello. And do something for someone that cannot do for themselves. Watch how those things can increase and regenerate your own immune response. And supplement-wise, this is the thing I get asked almost daily in the office. Um, Dr. Stockwell, you think this stuff is going to come back again this fall? Well, the flu season is going to be back here this fall. Anytime the sun goes down in the sky and you're getting far less vitamin D, you're going to get sicker. Or a certain population, a percentage of the population, a certain demographic is going to get sicker because you're not getting vitamin D. You don't get vitamin D, you can't absorb calcium. You can't get calcium into the system. Almost every system in the body has a certain calcium dependency. The immune system is no less. 
right there in the middle of all that. So I'll tell you what I do to be prepared for any microbe this summer or this fall. You, I take three Immuplex a day. If you get symptoms, you go, you jump up to six to nine. But I take about three Immuplex, I-M-M-U-P-L-E-X. If you're over 55, you would take three Ferro food, F-E-R-R-O, food. Because it builds the hemoglobin in the red blood cells. It builds red blood cells, but it also builds the hemoglobin covering for better oxygen transport. And remember, that was the thing that was killing people with COVID-19 was hypoxia. They didn't have the traditional uh, glassy look in their lungs that would indicate uh, something moving towards pneumonia. They were dying of hypoxia. They would come into the emergency rooms with blood oxygen below 60%. And in a day or two, they were dying because of organ failure. It's not just your brain that needs oxygen. Your organs need it. And then when they would put them on ventilators, 80% of them died because that wasn't the problem. The ventilators just further destroyed the lung tissue that was already suffering from hypoxia. So... <clears throat> If we could jump back three months and someone said, Dr. Jack, what would you do? Well, I'd make sure there was a darn good whole food-based nutritionist in the coronavirus task force explaining what you can do in your diet and what you might avoid during sick periods like this to make sure your immune system stays strong and gets you through this in one piece, as it has for the majority of Americans. When you, you look at the percentage now, they're talking, what, 0.4%? Fatality rate. So you can, you know, if you go to uh, ForbiddenDoctor.com and cold and flu protocol, that's what I would recommend to strengthen, strengthen the immune system. So I think that ought to do it. Um, even if you've done it before, I, I want to jump back to the free symptom survey we offer at ForbiddenDoctor.com. You, you can submit the survey and get the results back and never have to talk to a human being. Or you can and get a protocol that costs you nothing. We'll just tell you what the protocol, this is what we suggest. And then if you join the VIP program, you'll get it at prices you cannot get anywhere else, including Amazon. So I think that ought to do it. I, I need this disclaimer in there. The statements made in this podcast about specific products have not been evaluated by the U, by the United States Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided or any information contained on or in any product label or packaging or this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. So that should do it. Thank you all for listening to this forbidden information in our forbidden podcast. I am sure Mary will be joining me on the next one. For an in-depth discussion of forbidden knowledge, we will see you then.